Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm SWE President Dana Johnson, and welcome to Diverse, a SWE podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at SWE Diverse Podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Phyllis Schneck, Vice President of Information Security and Cyber Chief Information Security Officer at Northrop Grumman. In this role, she oversees the company's global cybersecurity strategy and policies and is responsible for the digital security of the company's products, services, and infrastructures. Most recently, Phyllis gave the opening keynote, Career Planning When the Sky is the Limit, at WE22 in Houston last month. I am so excited to be talking with you again, Phyllis. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to see you again as well and to talk with you. So first of all, I wanted to know what your big takeaways were from WE22 after giving a great keynote speech for our opening session. And I really want to know if you shared some of those with your nieces. Oh, well, uh, well what I've, I've also done with the older nieces, she's now driving my 16-year-old Mustang. So, so my biggest takeaway was, wow, the community that SWE has built. When you walk on that stage and, you know, having come up as we all have in engineering where there weren't that many women. And to see thousands of young women that are our future, that just that took me away right there. And it is my takeaway. That and all of the support that I think these meetings bring to inspire all of us to then take that energy and take on the world. But really walking on that stage and seeing all of those women so energized, that is our future. I can echo that. It's pretty amazing being on the other side and and feeling the energy coming at you from so many people in one place. And it's what you built in SWE. I mean, I remember, again, my early award from SWE was very special and to have been there and to see the work that you do in addition to your day jobs right. to create this community. You can't understate the amount of work that you and the team are putting into making this happen. That was another big takeaway for me. Well, thank you. And I think for me, the community is one of the biggest assets that SWE has. I use that community regularly for my support network, for friendships, for people to lean on, for mentors. And it's just, it's been amazing for me. So I want to get vulnerable with everybody listening for a a moment here. And before the keynote, Phyllis, you, you may remember there's a part where I talked a little bit about my theme for the year, which is a world of opportunity awaits. But I also talked a little bit about my history and how it tied to that theme. And during that segment, I mentioned that I was the first in my family to graduate college. This is something I I wrestled with if it was even something I should bring up on stage. But I hadn't realized how much that would resonate with people in the audience. And I was really taken aback by the support from everybody there. In that moment, though, I had this, oh my goodness, how far have I come? How did I make it here? 
moment, like just that realization. And I'm not going to lie. There was a moment backstage where I was like, you've got to keep it together. You did not bring any makeup with you, right? Like I can't touch up makeup, but I had that moment of how did I get here? And in your speech, it was almost like you answered that question for me. And you said, you know, you belong here. That really hit home for me. But you also reminded us to enjoy the fun moments while we're getting there. And so I'd like to say, first of all, I enjoyed all of conference. I know you were, I think, only there for about the first day, but I, I enjoyed it all. Somehow I got there. Thank you for reminding me we belong there. But I wanted to ask you, how can we remember that? You know, once conference is over, once we go back to our day jobs, once we go back to our real life. Oh, wow. What a big question. And first of all, congratulations on all of your success and for pioneering in your family and all the work that you've done. We all have, I think, moments where we still wonder, right? How did I get here? Or, wow, this is cool. Or, yeah, wow, this is very humbling. And do I still belong here? And I think we all go through that in a cycle often. And I think one way to just sort of remember is to focus on the fun stuff. And again, keep focusing on those small moments. There are, if you think about whether you're in a big meeting and you're thinking, you know, what is the answer to that? Or how do I help? Or you're just at something really fun, right? How was I so lucky to score these tickets? I remember getting to go to a big Springsteen concert back in in Atlanta. And I thought that, how did I get here? And life brings you these moments and they come together and you've earned them. And I know that it's easy to get because it happens to me all the time. It's easy to think, okay, wow, how did this happen? Or am I going to do this right? Or we all have insecurity, but Mm -hmm. let it make you stronger and just push through it. Because remember that everyone else, whether they're showing it or not, is having the exact same thought. I like that focus on the fun. So I'm only reflecting on my sweet journey right now. And I feel like there's been so many fun moments that yeah, there's there's always some of those challenges where you question if you have what it takes for the next role or the next step. But there's so much fun that goes along with it too. And I, I think that's something I've looked for in SWE, in other organizations I support, in my day job, just making sure that we can find the fun in it. And that's what pushes us to do, helps push us. I shouldn't say that it's the only thing that pushes us, but helps push us to do more and be more. I think so. And I see it in our, we have at Northrop Grumman, we have, we invest heavily in early career and even meeting some of our new interns was energizing for me this summer. They think in a way that's very imaginative. They do more work than I would ever have thought that maybe an intern would do. And I thought back to my own internships. I remembered how, how hard I worked and it's fun getting to be a part of that, but it's also fun learning a new perspective, I think from others. And it's, again, it's always important, I think, to remember that everybody has their own story. And when you doubt yourself, it's okay. It's healthy. But a good way to get past it is to, again, remember those really bright moments and remember that everyone else has those moments of self-doubt too. We're all human. Exactly. And I will echo, I thought our, our interns brought a lot of extra fun to the workplace over the summer. So I agree. I think that even from the the professional side, they just to your point, Phyllis, they think about things differently. They tackle things differently. And maybe it's, you know, after so long in corporate America or, or in a job, your brain starts to go into autopilot and, and they're not there yet, right? They're not there. And I hope they never go to autopilot. Right, right. Maybe I'll figure out how to break out of autopilot here 
and publish a book or something, something spectacular like that, new life goals. If anyone can, you can, Dana. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> one of the, tying to, to this a little bit, one of the other things you did say in your keynote was tied to surrounding yourself with people that will challenge you. And I'm hoping that you could maybe give us a couple of examples of people that have challenged you over the course of your career, over the course of your professional life, your personal life, things like that. Wow. I think it's a really hard question because I think that at times there are different people and situations that challenge us in different ways. So sort of maybe, you know, chronologically, if I think back to, you know, just sort of growing up, our parents always challenged us to try to do our best. But they also stressed having a good time, having fun. My dad was an excellent career role model and he challenged me to, you know, figure things out, right? Um, don't take the easy way. Take it apart. Understand it. You know, I think in grad school, my thesis advisor, the late Kirsten Schwann, I think he really challenged me to look at the problems of high-speed computing differently that led me to find new ways to do things that we eventually patented. And when we had problems that seemed, you know, a situation that seemed unexplainable, such as to oversimplify, but why is the better computer not working as well? He literally said, he said, you're, you're going to have to find out why. And I spent a lot of late nights pulling plugs and wires and connecting things to discover that an actual vendor product had a problem and we reached out to the vendor. But it was such a learning experience to realize that, sure, something you ordered in equipment with a big name on it could actually have a flaw. And if you look hard enough, you can find it. But it taught me, I think, a very valuable lesson that I keep personally and I keep in cybersecurity, of course, you have to be able to explain what you're seeing or there's something else there that will bite you later. And he taught me a very good lesson in that and saying, well, we're not going to overlook that crazy result that only happens once in a while. You need to understand it. And I think that was very, very valuable to me. And then when I looked at what my career would be, I had mentors, one in particular that ran a very, very large company, the first cybersecurity company. And it was everyone in Atlanta at the time and cyber wanted to be there. <laughs> and he was, I was so lucky. He was a mentor to me. And I remember I really always wanted to start my own company, which is what he did. And he looked at me and he said, of course, we'll have a job for you when you graduate, but I'll never forget this. He said, you want to start your own company and you need to get that out of your system. So think really hard about what you want to do. And so I did that instead. I patented what I built at Georgia Tech and we started a company around it. And I don't regret it. And I'm lucky that he gave me that advice, but he pushed me. He really mm -hmm. challenged me. He said, go after that because you have to get that out of your system if it's what you want. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you get your heart super set on something, you you have to do it or it's going to eat away at you. I think so. I think he knew. And later, you know, now in the career, there's several different people at different times, whether they were bosses or peers or colleagues, but really that help you focus on not only how you can be better, but to think differently or to do something you haven't done before, even, you know, going into government from the private sector. That was mm -hmm. a big jump, a complete change of atmosphere. <laughs> mm -hmm. And really being willing to take that leap. I think a lot of people at different times really sort of give you the push to say, you got this. Agreed so much. So I want to go back to your startup experience a little bit. 
the fact that you did it so soon after graduating, I think says a lot about your character. But are there some lessons you can share with us, not necessarily on the the specifics that it takes to become a successful entrepreneur, but what sort of skills did you gain from being an entrepreneur? Wow. So I already had one skill. I had that mastered, which is living on very little money. <laughs> Lots of practice. Grad, grad school does that to you, right? It does. My father taught me early on with the old car, buy the cheap paper towels, buy the expensive oil. And it worked. That car ran <laughs> off the ran off through grad school. I think one thing you learn is to, I was fortunate enough to have been exposed to a lot of people in the network at the university who helped me a great deal. And I actually met through other connections in town, a gentleman who was an angel investor to me. And working with him, I really learned that when somebody invests in you, you treat their money as if it was your own. Right. So I was I learned you don't. So I took actually another job as a deputy director of the newly formed Georgia Tech Cyber Information Security Center, as we called it at the time, to you know eat. But <laughs> right. I would never take investment money to pay myself in such an early stage startup. You learn how to very quickly try to understand which way the product's going to go, if it's going to be a success, to follow a business plan and to show the person that's, or the people that are investing in you, what the return on their investment is going to be. And that's not a meeting every six months. It's a continuous evolution as you learn how the product's going to build. And to me, being able to show the value to my investor at the time, the angel investor, as well as being able to show the value to potential customers. I think those were the two first very early stage big lessons as you go out there and really try to understand where your product fits, engage, because it's not just selling at that point. It's really being a part of building a market and mm -hmm. being the solution people need, but it's about the return that they're going to get and doing all that while having a day job and really still living the grad school life. <laughs> there were no frills. It's a lot. It's a lot for yeah. sure. <laughs> how did you, can you share with us how you translated some of that into career steps, right? We know you eventually went on to corporate America and there's steps in between. What were those transferable skills that you took from being an entrepreneur and some of those early lessons that you learned beyond being frugal? I think a big one was the trajectory that it took. So that small company that I started was eventually acquired by another um, somewhat small company, but certainly more established. And then being a part of that company, I joke with my friends, my skill is assimilation, right? So being a part of that. And then my next step was also with another startup, which got bought by a much larger company that got bought by what was McAfee, and then which was eventually okay. bought by Intel. So I was almost given the time to grow because each time I got bought, we got bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think that was fortunate for me to be able to learn that way. But it also teaches you to be very flexible, which I think is important for all of us in our careers. Right. You don't know what's coming next and you don't know what direction things will take. So being able to adapt and assess for yourself, am I still happy? <laughs> and if I am great, and if I'm not, what course correction do I need to make? Agreed. And, uh, I, I think that's ahead. I think that's great advice. I think that being adaptable anymore, right? I 
COVID definitely taught us all how resilient we are. And I think many of us had to adapt, but I don't know that we expected the level that we, we would have to adapt to or the length of time that it would continue on. So I, I think that those skills are, the earlier in life you can get them or learn that you have them, the better it'll be for you as you progress through your career. I think so. I think another one is don't turn down the, don't turn down the gifts from your mom. So I wasn't buying expensive things, but she would send me, send me fancy chocolate coffee. Ooh. Um, yes, which I couldn't afford to buy myself, but I would wait <laughs> for that package to come. So <laughs> Very nice. I think those little, uh, those little tokens that help keep you going are worth it, right? Exactly. One of the things that you did mention during your speech, and I'm guessing that you felt this way many times over the course of your career, is that if you're looking at a new role or new assignment, and if you're feeling nervous, that means you care. Do you have any tips on maybe spinning our perspective? Because I think a lot of our listeners often take the nervous feeling and don't act on whatever it is they're nervous about because they think they're going to fail, because they're scared of it, because they think that they'll let somebody down. So what advice can you share with us about getting over that nervous feeling? Oh, wow. Well, the professor that shared his insight with me about if you're nervous, it means you care. He could also run down the hall with a full mug of coffee and not spill it. (laughs) Truly could. So if you, he also wrote the graphics textbook that I used in computer science. So I respected him on all kinds of levels. (laughs) So I think I'll come back to something we say a lot at North of Bremen, that we use the word opportunity a lot. It's not so much a problem. If you look at it a different way, if you really take a different perspective at things that are hard, there's a whole opportunity space in how you can make something different and make a, a challenge turn into something where there's a chance to enjoy the ride and enjoy the journey to come out of it shining and solving a problem. And I think there are a lot of times when you get nervous about something, whether it's a big talk where you walk on the stage that, that <laughs> has an audience that looks like they're expecting Bon Jovi, but no, it's, it's you. <laughs> And I think there are also smaller examples where you have to give a presentation or answer a hard question or explain something that you could have done better. And I think it's important. And the way I handle that is I I channel that and I say, I'm right for this because I actually care about it. And if I wasn't worried about it, that would be a different person. And that isn't me. And they brought me to this because they wanted me to answer the question. And so here I am. And that's a hard speech to give yourself, but I have given that to myself. One of the things I've found myself doing, and I don't, I'm not going to chalk it up as best practice, but it works for me. So if anybody listening wants to steal this tip, please steal it. I've been known to write little quotes like that on post-it notes and stick them on my monitor or stick them around my desk. So I just jotted down, I'm right for this because I care about it. I think that's a really great quote. It'll, it'll make its way around my monitor at some point here. I think that's super meaningful and just. The more I see stuff like that, the easier it is for me to reframe how I'm thinking, which ties a little bit into our our second keynote with reframing your brain. But I think that like I've almost trained myself if I'm feeling stressed, I look for one of those little notes or quotes around my my monitor to reassure me that there's a reason that I'm feeling nervous. There's a reason I'm feeling stressed, things like that. Absolutely. I've done stickies too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mine are all pink, clearly. That's my color, but For anybody listening, you can pick whichever color you want. The last question I have for you, Phyllis, I feel like you have been such a great role model for your nieces. Is there anything in particular that 
they have taken away from your experience here that you just felt like you needed to share with us? You mean that that my nieces have taken away? Yes. So I have heard myself called cool auntie. I didn't teach them that. So I'm very proud of that. because (laughs) I think for what I watch them do is I watch them have fun. I watch them joke. I watch them feel like they're very comfortable making fun of me. The other day, I I didn't. (laughs) I couldn't get the FaceTime to work because my hand was wet. And so the touch screen on the iPhone didn't work. And the eight-year-old said to me, don't you know how to do that, Auntie? And she, (laughs) (laughs) because she's eight, she has no tolerance for audio. Everything has to be video because she didn't grow up ever talking on an actual phone. Right. And I think it's funny. You know, my sister said, you know, hey, that's not very nice. But I actually think it's funny that we have the kind of relationship where they'll say that to me because I don't think she would say that to her mother. And (laughs) I love that they just like to play and they just, we have a good time together. And there's always you know, respect and safety, but beyond those two things, there aren't any rules. And it's just been a lot of fun to watch them grow up and get to know them. And um, especially through the pandemic, I actually probably spent more time with them when they were home about a year and a half ago on, on screen. And I think it's been a lot of fun. And one piece of advice I would give is the journey that we all take, it can be a really good time. It will have moments that are hard and moments that are great. And in addition to what I think I teach my nieces, which is to really just don't take anything too seriously and have a good time. I think one thing I learned from them is the same thing. And I'll get funny texts, you know, from from the (laughs) older one on her phone, right? You know, shouldn't you be doing your homework? And then the texting stops you know, the little one will have all kinds of ways to stall before going to bed. Um, (laughs) I just love watching that. And the fact that I'm, I'm their, their cool auntie, that's the best title I'll ever have. (laughs) Well, you've had some pretty amazing ones. So the fact that cool auntie rises to the top says a lot about your relationship with them. And and honestly, if I could go someplace with minimal rules, minus safety and respect, I think I'd be all in. That sounds like a nice little reprieve right now. If, if they were on here, they would tell you the things that they've done with Andy. <laughs> we make slime. So <laughs> Excellent. I, like every kid should make slime. Maybe not in my house. My kids haven't made slime in my house, but they did at Cub Scouts at somebody else's. So it was okay. It's my sister's house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. For my sanity, the mess does not come in my house, but you're welcome to do whatever at somebody else's house. Well, which is also amazing, Dana. You mentioned, right? You have kids who do it all. <laughs> Right. And it's incredible that you're able to give your experience and everything that you've been able to do to them. It, I will be honest. I'm the, oh, how do I say this? My husband does not let me go to too many of the scouting events. He's concerned that certain leadership traits in me would get triggered and I would have, feel the need to take it over and run it much better than it's currently being run. And I, I feel a little bad saying that out loud, but I know that there's been some chatter among friends of mine that have similar experiences. And I, you know, I, we're all volunteers in this capacity and scouts and whatever. So it's the time that you have to give. But I, I often look back, it was right before the pandemic and we had Pinewood Derby, which is a little car race. You know, you've got to whittle and wait and get your wheels just right on the little car. And then they've raced them and all that. I was the only person, man or woman, only person period that showed up to that in a blazer. And I think it said a lot about myself versus versus some of the mentality of the scouts. Nothing bad, right? Just I was coming from a different mentality. I was in a different place when I showed up and and there we were uh, racing little Pinewood Derby cars and 
and it went super long. So I ended up having to leave with my younger son before my husband and older son came home just because there was right. He was, I don't know, three at the time and melting down because they were off schedule and everybody was starting. And this is why my husband tries to, to shield me from it because he doesn't want me to be the slave driver sort of, you know, we're keeping the schedule. You know, you were supposed to start your race 30 seconds ago. You need to go now that sort of personality. So uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're, we're all volunteers. We're all doing the best we can. Absolutely. We all bring something to it. Well, Phyllis, I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak today with me again after our keynote Q&A and your amazing keynote back in Houston last month. I really enjoyed this. I jotted down a number of things that I know I'm going to find on Post-it notes around my, my monitor at some point here. Focus on the fun. You don't know what's coming next and just being able to adapt to that. And then what I really liked, partly because it ties to my theme for the year, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity space, right? A world of opportunity awaits all of us. And then, of course, the I'm right for this because I care about it. And I'm that's probably going to be the one on the biggest, brightest, pinkest post-it note I have. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate this opportunity so much. And I'll take an opportunity to give a shout out to NASA for the Artemis launch last night. Excellent. Perfect. To see a lot of our audience as we go in the future looking at, at that mission. I just think it's such a great great timing as we talk about opportunity. And that was just so inspirational to watch. Exactly. I know I've seen a number of SWE members already posting on social media about it. So it it definitely got some traction and good call out for that. Thank you, Phyllis. My dad was at NASA when I was growing up. So we watched every shuttle launch. So that doesn't leave you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm glad that you could channel that. And I'm assuming you still watched it last night. I did. Okay. Excellent. Phyllis, thank you again so much. I'm Dana Johnson, and from all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, altogether at altogether.swe.org. <laughs>